Last week, Noah Hills knocked it out of the park, talking dynasty rookie running back rankings. The week before that, J.J. Zacharyson. The week before that, Graham Barfield. The week before that, Derek Brown. This week, we're tackling an area that Full Tilt does not tackle enough, if you ask me. It is dynasty tight ends, specifically dynasty rookie tight ends. Can I make Jacob quit today? Can I make sure Coop never wants to come back? Will Jacob treat Coop respectfully? We're going to find all this out and more, as well as Coop's ranks for these rookie tight ends. Get locked in, everybody. It's going to be a great time. Yes, it's Tuesday, which can only mean one thing. It's the only place for your eyeballs to be. It's locked in right here. The Full Tilt Fantasy Football Programming. This is the Full Tilt Dynasty Podcast. I, of course, your host with most time on his hands. I am Tom Simple FF. Joining me, as he does every week, is Jacob Sanderson. As I mentioned, our run of guests this year leading up to the NFL draft is unbelievable. I told, I said before, we have the best guests in the game. and It's not quite close. Coop, you're joining us today to talk a little bit about your specialty. Of course, I can't wait to get your in-depth analysis on a lot of the guys that people find to be almost like um, a relic in fantasy football, the way tight ends are treated. But we love seeing people who really dedicate to it because, I mean, having a good tight end, we all want one. None of us can find one. So I look forward to that. Of course, I want to pay a little bit of the bills. Shout out Rebellion Brewing based out of Alberta, Canadian Brewery. You're going to want to head over there, get some of their brand-new summer releases. Going to be fantastic. Of course, there's the Fantasy Points Media Group. Shout out FantasyPoints.com. You're going to want to head over there, especially when Fantasy Points data releases. Top-notch. And, of course, you can go to Underdog Fantasy and TrophySmack.com. Use promo code FULTILT, F-U-L-L-T-I-L-T, and get everything you need this season. That thing, That's enough. We're going to – look, Coop, we do not – around too much okay we like to get right into it one thing we like to get from all of our guests is a fun fact i mean and and i can't wait to hear yours uh, of course you can follow cooper at coop a fiasco andrew cooper your fun fact say hello to the people what's up boys first i just want to say thanks for having me on and i love talking with you guys because one you're smart two you're handsome three you're not afraid to argue with me and sometimes people hold back, man. You guys never do. Sanderson, you take it over the top, and I love that. That's why I <laughs> wore my Celtics jersey to see if I could tease you a little bit. I yeah, wore a little Celtics, little Celtics shirt. Yeah, if I had a if I had a Colts jersey, maybe I'd be wearing that as well. I don't because wow. I'm a Patriots guy, but I'm doing my best to uh, to appease you here. And yeah, dude, I love the idea. Want, who do you want? Uh, who do you want us to play? Who are you rooting for tonight? Hawks or Heat? Uh, I would actually honestly rather us play the Heat. And I part of it is just because I I I still hold some hatred for the Heat in my heart deep down from the, a lot of hatred the Heat. Yeah, I, I mean a, it, a, a long time, man. I love for just especially the whole Ray Allen. Like if you made my dad KG fight with my other dad, Ray Allen, 
then I'm not going to like you, dude. No, like no chance. You know what I mean? My third dad, Paul Pierce. I got a lot of dads, you know, when it comes to the Celtics community. But uh, yeah, the Heat tore, tore this family apart. So uh, I hope that we get a matchup with them and get a chance to tear them apart because, you know, they're a bunch of Fairweather fans anyway. Shout out, Heat. Uh, yeah, so kind of cool you guys ask a fun fact nobody ever cares about anything other than tight ends honestly you know so uh i like that uh one thing i i figured i'd share one of my hobbies uh one thing i i like to do i used to do it a lot more when i worked in commercial real estate not a lot of time to do this uh, or flex it of with with fantasy football but i used to go out to local thrift shops and find shoes both for me and I had like a list of my buddy sizes. And if I saw something nice, I'd fix them up, dude. So like, for instance, we got here a, uh, this puppy here, oh, seven, cool. six bucks. This is a uh, Crockett wow. and Jones, dude. Yeah. I got the whole kit for, I, I don't, I don't really, you know, do souls or anything. I got a guy to do that part, but the rest of it, man, I, trust me, not all of them, uh, work out. Some of them end up going right back in the trash or right back to the donation. But yeah, man, I love, uh, and I used to wear these all the time when I did commercial real estate, not a lot of opportunity to do that as a tight end guy that jumps on podcasts from here, you know, but, uh, yeah, that's a little, a little fun thing I do, man. Shoe thrifting savant is not what I had uh, as a guess here. This is this is why we've gotten everything from JJ Zacharyson's German singing career to to uh, Mr. Brown hates fucking blue cheese with a apparently violent passion we've just got just and now again shoe thrifting savant it's i got an eye for value that it helps me in fantasy helps me in thrift store dude it's you know helps me with commercial real estate appraising buildings so you know it's just uh it's the value eye speaking of helping you help a ton of people with your position being the lead analyst on at fantasy alarm and of course the new uh, nfl quick out podcast on better sports live at 1 p.m uh, tell us a little bit about that and how and how you've moved into that and where can people find everything uh at fantasy alarm yeah i mean honestly if you just type fantasy alarm andrew cooper into the google machine it pulls up my page, right? Or you can just go to my Twitter at Coupe Fiasco, right? Like that's honestly where, uh, you know, the old old school people who listen to SiriusXM, maybe they need a little more handholding. <laughs> but Google, if you Google, I think honestly, if you Google the tight end whisperer, it actually pulls up my Twitter, which is kind of cool. I never called myself wow. that. Yeah. I Well, the thing is, I never really called myself that. And I never called, um, I didn't like when other oh, people. Oh, it does. Call, yeah. It's, yeah. It's, it's, which is on Google. Which is crazy because I I never I I never really Howard Bender was always a tight end whisperer to me, but he's my boss. He started calling me that. So, but anyway, like just Google my name and look up my stuff. And it's not just tight end stuff. I do everything, but tight end is what I what I really deep dive on, and and I come on to do these shows because nobody likes to do it. You guys don't like to talk about tight ends, do you? Well, I just don't know what I'm talking. I just say big, big, tall, fast guy, good. So that's as in depth as I get. I trust smarter people than me. To tell I just me trust the top ones, to be honest. I try to not think about tight end by drafting one of the by drafting one very early so that I don't have to think about tight end. That's right. usually my approach. <laughs> and, and both those approaches, honestly, not that far off. You're yeah, not that far <laughs> for, yeah. especially for dynasty, not far off at all, man. Not yeah. far off. Uh so what I do to help people out is is my main focus is on 
helping people figure out when the window of opportunity is, right? And it, tight end is such a very different position than other ones because wide receiver, we all love wide receiver because most teams use a minimum to like every team uses has at least one full-time wide receiver, even the Ravens, some teams, two full-time guys, some teams, even three full-time guys. Right. So, uh, you know, if you're Jacob Sanderson and you keep your ear to the streets and you're deep into the yards per route run and you, and you can identify guys that have talent, they're almost always going to get the opportunity no matter what, because you're going to have three guys out there. Right. Whereas tight end, it's a tight end room. And if Zach Ertz is there, and you're not a better pass catcher than Zach Ertz, and only a handful of people are, then you end up being Dallas Goddard and you're blocking, or you end up being Trey McBride and you're blocking for a year, or you end up being Delaney Walker and you're blocking for seven years, and you have to leave and go to the Titans, and at 30 years old, you have your first breakout season. So that's what I try to do is help paint this picture of like it's it's like throwing rocks at trains, man. Like you're you are waiting for that one window where you can actually hit it, and we just have to find the guys that if they can Find the guys that when they get that opportunity, they're actually going to be relevant. That's the goal here. And we can talk about the rookies and what kind of profiles they have and figure out if they're going to be able to 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 reach that peak or if we just want to ignore them. So why don't we get into some of it? I love that, man. Jacob, yeah. you, had, you had one for. Yeah, that was a big question. I had. You even alluded to it slightly where you talk about guys blocking, right? One of the things that you're always talking about when it comes to redraft or dynasty or whatever, but NFL tight ends, you're looking at like, we want the guys who are running routes. We want the guys who are running, especially in the slot, running off the line of scrimmage, guys who are being used like receivers. So when you're looking at some of the rookie tight ends, like what are the main things that you're looking at to try and decipher? What do I think are the types of rookie tight ends who are going to be the guys that we want as the move tight ends who are getting to run all the routes versus who's going to be stuck blocking versus who's going to be that H back type that's running like 40 to 50% of the routes. Like are there indicators that you look for to try and decipher your Zach Ertz's from your um, Trey Burton's from your Robert Tunyon's. So that you just pulled the, I, did you just pull those off your head just now? Cause you just I pulled did. like, you just pulled like the the exact like full gambit of the different dudes like Trey. When I think of the when people say the move H back tight end, like one of the first names I think of is Trey Burton because he exactly was that guy that had to be used. He was fantasy relevant because his role was so specifically a move tight end where and they would even put him at quarterback at times. Right. So like mm-hmm. with those type players, you have to look at and Thank God there's modern stats because, you know, Sanderson, you and I, maybe not the biggest film guys in the world, right? TT, uh, do you watch Do you watch a ton of film or are you more of a stats guy? I, I like to do both as much as I can. Like, again, one of the beauties of Full Tilt, and a little self-plug here, is that we have different personalities on here. Yeah. Jacob is a numbers master who watches a little bit. Billy is just a man of the people, and he's a little bit closer to the range of uh, a casual – uh, viewer, and then there's myself who has a history of playing and coaching, failed math many years in high school. So I, I'm I'm definitely more of a watch if I can, but uh, I try to absorb and apply as much of the data that other smarter people have accumulated for people like myself and apply it. So I'm right. I like to think I'm right down that middle. Perfect, but the man. one that- is entirely position dependent. Like I, I watch running backs. 
I, yeah. I don't watch I, I don't watch almost any other position. A, a because like I don't like as a person who didn't play football, the like extent of like work that it took me to actually feel like I can even like diagnose anything worth talking about at any position was a lot. So I was like, I'm gonna try to focus that on one versus four. And then two, like I just think like the numbers are able to I'm able to glean more from the numbers at the at the wide receiver position than I am for the running back position, quite frankly, in the sense that like you earn your volume because you're out there running routes. Right. And, and that's, I'll tell you what, is that like, I mean, I played football and even with like the problem I run into, like, especially with, with wide receiver, right. Is that like, sometimes I can watch it and say like, okay, this guy has a, I don't like his first step. Right. And then I might say, oh, I don't like this guy, but how do I know that the Steelers wide receiver coach doesn't watch that and go and say, Hey, you know what? I found another one. Right? Like I found another guy where all we have to do is coach up the first step and we can get him in the third or fourth round and then he'll be a golden god, right? So like who am I to say what matters and what doesn't, which is what I, that where I have a difficult time. What, where I do watch film with the tight ends is with some of these guys, You, I mean, with some of these guys, you have to. Dalton Kincaid, yeah. what do we have, right? Luke Musgrave, right. what do we have, right? So you can't, I, you have to watch. And Dalton Kincaid, for instance, looks fluid. And I know maybe we want to go through these guys one at a time and I can give you an idea. But basically what I'm doing is I'm looking at these guys and trying to come up with comps. Obviously, there's never going to be one for one comp. But I say, what type of player is this going to be? And then what does that player need to be fantasy relevant, right? So if you want to t- take the most popular, like the, the biggest name, the guy that a lot of people have won, Michael Mayer, we could start with him and give you an idea. Of maybe what he's guy like, like that. Classic why, right? Like that, right. he's yes. gonna be like the most like dominant. Yeah. Yeah, we'll get okay. We'll get there. We'll get there. But yeah, that's what you want to do. And like so for some of these guys, sometimes you can do the stats. Like, and again, we might as well just wait until we get the examples. But uh that's that's the way to do it is say who is this guy and what needs to happen for him to be the top guy because not everybody has the easy the same path, and a lot of them can be easier than others, let's just say. Right. No, oh, you know what we should do before we get into the guys is this is perfect since we have you on the show. Can you tell people watching or listening what it means when someone says Y tight end or an F tight end or a move tight end or an H back? Like, what does that actually mean? Because I feel like we throw in these terms throughout the course of the season, but we rarely have a tight end episode where we actually walk right. through what these mean and when they're good things or bad things. You know what I've done on my show? Because the thing is, I learned that people actually use different different letters so i've been moving away from the letters on my own like my writing my own channel so essentially you have to i've been using split end tight end move tight end flanker slot right so like you need to have 11 guys on the line of scrimmage that's the basics of of football Mm -hmm. the two guys that have their foot tethered to the line the two widest guys are eligible right so you can have two tight ends Two split ends, you can have a tethered player in the slot, but what that means is their foot is all the way up on the line. So for me, the inline tight end, which is your Y tight end, is a guy that's right next to the tackle and he has his foot tethered to the line. If you take that guy and move him a step back, now he's off the line. Some people call him an H back, like a lot of high school teams will have halfbacks two halfbacks that line up right outside the, the tackle and tight end, you know? So that's an H spot where you can have a move tight end. And the way I keep it easy in my mind is if you're on the line of scrimmage, you can't go in motion. If you're tethered to line, you can't go in motion. If you're a step back off the line, 
Now you're a move tight end Interesting. and you can move, right? And you can, so that for me is the easiest way to do it. Again, if you take a if you take your tight end, and this is what's funny is like, let's say I have Hunter Henry, he's lined up in line. He takes one step back and, and the outside wide receiver steps forward. Now the outside wide receiver is a split end and he's a move tight end. If he goes in motion two steps over, now he's a fullback. It's like such a ridiculous way, the position, like the different names that uh, I don't, I only differentiate if guys are specifically doing something so often that they're no longer a tight end. Mike Kosecki with Chan Gailey, 90% of his snaps in the slot, he was no longer a tight end, right? He was a slot wide receiver. Yes. Right. Right? Like Chris Cooley uh, for Washington would line up, shout out Chris Cooley, would line up at fullback and he would, dude, he would almost never line up with his hand in the dirt that for me, he was a true, maybe one of the few true hybrid move, uh, like fullbacks. So most guys are actual tight ends, but you know, again, Kyle Pitts might be getting in the territory where he's a, just a split end. You know what I mean? So, um, that's the different positions. I might've even confused people even, even more, but we're, we're doing our best. No, I love that. We're going to take a quick break. We come back, we are going to get into polarizing tight end prospects, much like we did last week with the running backs. We're doing it again with the tight end. Sit tight, quick three-second break this time, Jacob. Uh, We'll be right back. All right, here we go. Polarizing tight end prospects. Uh, Now, Andrew, I have a question for you. This one comes from uh, the Full Tilt Discord, which you can find in the – Full Tilt FFB Twitter account. Um, what does it say to you hearing things like um, avoid all rookie tight ends that are drafted in the top 24 at their position in the rookie year because historically none of them have gained value at that point? Like that is a base level statement that uh, we have heard quite often. What does that say to you? How do you, is, is it one of those things where it's buy now or, or wait till I can buy later? Or are you okay knowing that basically you're just sitting on a, a devaluing asset and hoping? Right. So that that's a, like a very generalized rule of thumb that I actually wrote a full article on. If you type Andrew Cooper, uh, rookie tight end concepts, right? This article comes up and there are very specific exceptions to the rule that we can actually identify at times uh but it's so rare that you almost do want to fade them i fade them in my own leagues and i just try and trade for the guys when the window is opening right but you need such a specific set of circumstances to get a rookie tight end that actually breaks out that is it is almost not worth pursuing because you need uh first you need a guy that is going to be a pass catcher right away so when he walks into that room, he needs to be the best. Tight, the, the tight end coach needs to put on his his you know big clunky tight end coach glasses and look around the room and say, "This guy is the best pass catcher right here, right?" Like move over to everybody else. Which I mean, Cole Komet, even with Jimmy Graham there, couldn't. Jimmy Graham was still the end zone guy, right? Like um, you look at. Trey McBride, even with Zach Ertz there, or Dallas Goddard with Zach Ertz there. So it's very difficult. This is the first step. It's so hard to be that guy that you have to be Kyle Pitts with Hayden Hurst there, where they say, hey, Hayden, you know what? Sorry, dude, but you're blocking now, right? That's the first step. The second step is that you need to be a top two target on the team for the most part to have high end upside, or the quarterback needs to go berserk, right? Like the examples we have of two wide receivers being top 24 and a tight end being top five are so slim. Like, you have to go back to 2013 
Peyton Manning with like Orange Julius and he threw 55 touchdown passes. Like it's just not, it's so hard to find. Like the examples we have are uh, Kyle Pitts, right? Thousand yard season as a rookie. There's Evan Engram who needed Odell Beckham Jr. to get hurt after four games. That's how he was a top five tight end. Before that, you have to go back to like Jeremy Shockey. So to be honest, unless the situation is absolutely perfect right from the rip, we do just want to wait. So that person, the Discord, they they have it right, but they might not have all the info. And the, the beautiful thing is, if the situation happens perfectly, we'll tell you. And Sanderson and TT, you guys will know too, right? Like if one of these guys we really like goes to the Packers and they say he's going to play slot and they have no one else, then we say, wait a minute, we might have one here, right? But it's so rare that we very rarely ever do that. I just want to talk a little bit on the tight end stuff. Like I think A, like... Another big issue with tight ends as rookies is like, yeah, first of all, you're probably not going to get a lot of rookie production out of most of them. And then even beyond that, it's like, it's, it's one of the least correlated positions to draft capital that we have for a couple of reasons. Like one, I think it's just so hard for people to scout, frankly, because so many tight ends are used in so many different ways. And like some guys are not even used. And then you look at who the best tight ends are and like, Draft capital helps you to like a certain threshold where it's like, if you're drafted highly, you're probably certainly like much more likely to be like a tight end one. But if you're just looking at the elites and then you look at like the things we normally look at for wide receivers, like where you drafted high, did you produce a lot? And it's like, maybe, <laughs> like, right. I, I don't know. Some of them are not drafted highly and some of them didn't produce for shit. And some of them came out young and some of them came out old. Like it's very random. And so I, I think in general, what I would say is like, probably better off outside of small exceptions like Coop just talked about not taking the higher drafted tight ends in a rookie draft and instead just collecting all the ones at low opportunity costs and kind of seeing what sticks because especially if you think about like this is like a real minutia of managing dynasty teams but if you think about taxi squad management I always want to prioritize rookie tight ends with my round four picks and UDFA pickups and rookie drafts. Because if you think about how you manage a taxi squad through the course of a season, like you want to maximize the roster spots available to you. And so most of the times with running backs, like the way a rookie running back hits, usually outside of like the elite ones, is usually somebody gets hurt in front of them and then you want to play them right away. And you're usually taking that guy off the taxi squad. So to, with tight ends, you get the luxury of a guy who's almost certainly not going to produce for you year one. So you just kind of get to stick them on the taxi for the first year and then see if they're a player. I'm almost never drafting rookie wide receivers outside of the first two rounds in rookie drafts because usually they just really suck after that. And the threshold to be like, I have any value in dynasty is so much higher at wide receiver than running back and tight end that I, I think like last year, for instance, like I liked McBride a lot as a prospect. I was almost never drafting him in rookie drafts. But I was just firing darts at the dudes going in round three and later. Like, I, I really liked Dulcich, um, which was lucky. I didn't, like, I had no reason to like Chikakonkwo, except that he cost nothing. And I drafted him. I, like, picked him up with, like, fifth round rookie picks, fourth round rookie picks, whatever. Same other guys. Like, just any guys, I'm just fucking firing through. Um, like, I'm sure I'm going to date, like, Zach Kuntz or whatever his name is. And, like, a million rookie. I don't know anything about him. We, we like him. Like, being we like him, yeah. yeah. Well, that's the thing. If you if you don't think Sanderson is right, you listening out there, if you don't think he's right, think about think about the tight ends, like the good tight ends, like Darren Waller was a wide receiver. 
Logan Thomas was a quarterback. Antonio Gates was a basketball player. Mark Andrews wasn't even the first tight end drafted by his own team in that draft. They drafted Hayden Hurst first, right? Uh, George Kittle was only drafted in the fifth round because in the third round, they took his college quarterback, C.J. Beathard, and they were like, well, I guess we might as well take his roommate and tight end from college, George Kittle. Like, it. Sanderson's right. It really is Plinko at the tight end position. So we just want to, my system for that, I call it the sort system. Uh, Start opportunity roster talent where we just look at athletic guys that we can get for late, throw them on the roster, stash them. And then when it's time to compete and we're trying to win our league, just go out and buy whoever it is. Go out and buy whoever it is that's uh, that has the window of opportunity right now. Cause too many times I've seen in my own home team league in 2020, the kid, one kid had a stacked team. He had Johnny Smith and Dallas Goddard at the time, which we all loved him, right? He comes in third place. The two kids playing in the championship have Robert Tunyon and Logan Thomas because they had the opportunity. Whereas the Johnny Smith and Dallas Goddard were like tight end 20 and 21. So I'm with you, Sanderson, as much as it pains me to say this game of like, trying to figure out who the elite tight end is going to be just from looking at a RAS score or looking at draft cap and RAS score, it's tough. But we're going to do our best to categorize these guys so that when you when the window opens, you know it and you can grab them. You know, So we'll, maybe we take a look at some of those guys here. Right, and we're going to kick it off with number one. Of course, he's kind of the consensus, number one, uh, which, I mean, sometimes fantasy players make things too hard on themselves where like now – uh, Michael Mayer's like boring so people have him like rookie tight end three because he's been tight end one for so long so it's just time to be different and think outside the box when really you, you do that too much you end up with Albert O as your starting tight end in draft so maybe you know the boring is the right answer but Michael Mayer from Notre Dame final year age 21 and a half I find it very interesting that um NFL mock draft database has him going in the first round. The kind of consensus is 24th that they're showing right now as recent updates with this, the Jacksonville Jaguars uh, pick, which would be not great for the future. So uh, let's, let's talk Michael Mayer. Where do you have him in your official rankings uh, coop? And, and what do you have for him? Yeah. So a lot of people hate that I really truly my my rankings stay pretty fluid until we get the draft data. And I I hate the term you know, I hate just draft capital alone, landing spot, but all of it combined, the narrative of who gets drafted before who, that I think all that does matter and especially at this position. So, right now Michael Mayer just based on his profile, I don't have him as my I have him as my NFL tight end one because I think he's a very complete player, but what you have with this guy is his best comparable guys are guys like Hunter Henry and Zach Ertz. Uh, probably a little more Hunter Henry than Ertz in that he's going to be a very good inline tight end. Like he's a good blocker. He can get up the seam. He can make the catches. The problem is yak. Uh, speed really helps us in terms of average depth of target and yak. The guys that are actually getting down, like George Kittle can do more with fewer targets because he runs a 4-5-2. Your boy Chigakonkwu who we all, I love him. He also runs a 4-5-2. These guys can do more with less because they're capable of 40-yard plays. Zach Ertz, in his entire career, has legit three 40-yard plays. He only has 1,000-yard season, believe it or not. He had to get 150 targets to have a 1,000-yard season. Those guys need to get peppered with targets. So Michael Mayer could be a high-end tight end, but he's the exact kind of guy that needs to be a top-two target in this team. He needs 100 targets because... He's not going like unless he t- 
turns into Rob Gronkowski and he's just breaking crazy tackles and making every catch. He needs he needs to get the ball a lot. Right. So for me, Michael Mayer falls in that group of he's as safe as can be, but you need to wait for that window to open for him to be the guy. And it could happen. It absolutely could. But depending where he lands, it's not it might not happen for a little while. Even Mark Andrews, we had to wait, wait a little bit, you know. He seemed yeah, like kind of how Go ahead. Go ahead. I was gonna say, if you think about how elite t- tight end seasons come about, right? It's usually from like three archetypes of players. You either have like your yak guys, you have the higher ADOT guys, and then you have the touchdowns. And you know, there's some degree to which the touchdown element is innate to the tight end, and it's to some degree innate to the offense that they're in. And yeah, like you mentioned, it's hard to envision Meyer, Mayer, is it Mayer or Meyer? It's Meyer. Mayer. Yeah. I just say it, yeah. I, with, with guys like this, I just say it. I try to say it as fast as possible so that Mike, nobody okay. like can hear. I'm just like, ah, right. come on. So with Mike, yeah. dude, I've been doing. I swear, I've been doing that yeah. for for like six years with Alvin Alvin Kamara. I just say it like it's Kamara Kamara. I'm just like Alvin Kamara. I just throw it out there as quickly <laughs> as I can. I just I'm already yeah. committed to just getting by it. So yeah. Next question. Yeah. I, <laughs> but go on. Yeah. The big Mike, for sure. Like, yeah, he's he's the what I call the catch and fall down tight end to me, which is right. like it's like his peak is like like Hawkinson's season this year to me is like kind of the the peak of what we yes. hope for from Michael Meyer and like Hawkinson's season this year was like very unsustainable in a couple of ways. Like they averaged like well over forty pass attempts after he got like traded to the Minnesota Vikings. That's just not going to happen. Probably not for the Vikings next year. It's probably not going to happen for like any NFL team very frequently. Um, so you you have to just rack up volume. You need to get lucky kind of where you land. And, and the type of the thing is, right? Like you mentioned about being a top two target on your own team. Like there are certain guys who have the ability to like really create their own target shares. And to some extent, there's other guys that I feel like kind of become somewhat of a function of their offense. If you think about how a lot of these targets are getting or are coming to a guy like this, a lot of it's like Dalton Schultz, right? But a lot of it's like, we're kind of just settling in the zone. We're like doing the late release thing off the line where they like do the little block and they like run out four yards and then they do like the little stick route. You see, you see some of those Hawkinson targets this year. I know because I never have much Hawkinson. And I'm like playing against them in some of these games. And I'm like looking at one of these games where he has like 10 catches. And I'm like, you didn't even do anything. Very Austin for, Hooper in 2020, right? Yes. Like, uh, Austin Hooper, Dalton yeah. Schultz. Dalton okay. Schultz is the guy that I was, I was like, Dalton Schultz. You were describing Dalton Schultz to yeah. me, like 100%. Right. And Austin Hooper is the best comparable player for Dalton Schultz on player profile, right? And like, yeah. honestly, it's blasphemy to say it to a lot of people that have been playing. Uh, fantasy football for a long time but like show me the cool play that zach Ertz has made because there's maybe like two like he's just not you know what i mean like show me the like the crazy play that zach Ertz has made he was you know death by account? do you know the twitter account that's at did zach Ertz break a tackle <laughs> no i've never seen Every that Sunday, one there's a twitter account <laughs> called did zach Ertz break, break a tackle? and then all they do so every time he gets he catches the ball is they just tweet no 
Right. <laughs> yeah, it's time. real though. It's so funny though. Like, yeah, even like even Gaseki who makes good one-handed catches every once in a while, like he's just yeah. not like the, they don't make fun plays, right? Like whereas Mark Andrews, Gronk, Travis Kelsey, obviously, like they make the big plays. Michael Mayer's that kind of guy that is just like again, he'll probably have the broken tackle counter going for sure. Like, and that's just you know what? It's fine if the targets are there, but like you said, out of their control to a certain degree, right? Yeah. One thing Ertz does have going for him is he he did influence John Rim's uh, four putt, and so. that can never be taken away. Yeah. Right, James said he's he's very happy. He just got rid of Schultz. Uh, you're welcome. That trade was hilarious. I can I'm I'm not gonna put up the other one, but uh, Toronto Dave MC Meyer, we love that. <laughs> yeah. uh, we're gonna take a quick second. We come back. We're gonna come back with our second tight end. Sit tight. Next tight end on the docket this is a guy who's a one-star recruit back in 2018. One of these guys that climb ranks quickly. People fall in love with them. Size, speed, uh, production. Uh, right now, again, I love this NFL mock draft database. Consensus 26 to the Dallas Cowboys in round one. Uh, Dalton Kincaid. For some of the dynasty community that may not follow these tight ends as much, why are people falling in love with Alden Kincaid, and it comes somewhat recently as well. Over the last, uh, I would say, month or two, people are really shooting him up. Uh, what is it about him? I mean, it's this is the film guy, right? Because this is the, the he's the kind of the opposite where you go and you watch the highlights, and it is fun, and it, he is fluid, and he is making plays, and he's he's making one handed catches, and he's getting finding the soft spots and zones, uh, you know, spiking it a little bit, having fun. like he is fun. Right. So I think that's that's the thing with this guy. And he also looks like a wide receiver compared to he like he's a little undersized and we don't care about that. Like Evan Ingram, we were beating our heads against the wall when Jason Garrett was making him play with his hand down in the dirt. Right. Like that was the nightmare. And then he finally got to go play slot like he's supposed to. Like those are the guys we want. We want the guys like that and we want them used properly. So this is the exact kind of guy that if he gets the landing spot where he goes to the Packers and they say, yeah, you're going to be our slot guy, right? You're going to be our Mike Secchi. Like, that's what we love. The problem is if a team doesn't love him and they don't think of him that way, or he goes to the Bengals where they have three wide receivers at this moment that are just better at that. Obviously, if, you know, uh, even if, if they keep T Higgins, it's kind of a, you're drawing dead already with Chase and Higgins there, but maybe he could be slot when Tyler Boyd leaves. But like, that's the kind of guy we're looking at here. We want like the there's a dream scenario that a lot of people are falling in love with where a team says this guy's going to be our big slot, right? Chan Gailey back from the dead type situation. So that's what we love. Uh Sanderson, have you seen a little bit of this guy? What do you feel about him? Yeah, I'm I'm a big fan of Dalton Kincaid. He I've I've watched like a little bit of him. I'm not gonna lie and said I've watched tape, I've watched YouTube videos. Right. Um highlights like they have furl though that's the extent like i like looked i looked through his production profile and i was like this looks pretty good and then i like saw a bunch of people like in film twitter talking about that i was like i will get to the bottom of this i'll go to just bombs productions um and then i was like yeah no it seems like he's a really fluid mover i like the idea that he's he's like my dream size almost for a tight end in the sense that i get a little nervous when you get the six two six three tight ends like i like like i'm I'm a little nervous about Chig. Like he's a guy who I've been selling because I had him on like 40% of my roster. So I'm just trying to like cash out about half of that. But I get concerned when you're in like the Tunyon, Chig, Janu, like short 
profile just because then you get a situation where like a team's never going to put you on the line. You're a bit of a liability in a blocking situation. And I get concerned that they're going to be 45, 50% of the routes the rest of their lives. Kincaid mm-hmm. is nice. He's, he's got enough size, I think, 6'4", 242, to be able to remain on the field. But especially if he's drafted highly, that's the guy where, okay, I know what this is going to be. It's going to be a guy that teams are going to throw the ball to. They're not, they're not making him – you know, the sixth offensive tackle. They're having him out there either in line, just off the line or in the slot. So I'm excited about him. Um, Only 12.7 yards per reception this year, but 14 yards per reception in previous years, had the ability to draw volume. He's an older prospect. I think if people are used to applying like sort of breakout age type analysis to wide receivers, I would just say not to worry about it at tight end. We haven't seen that it applies very much at tight end. Travis Kelsey, George Kill, Mark Andrews, all guys who were older prospects coming out who didn't have a lot of production until later in their college career. So I like it. You also have the fun angle with Kincaid where he didn't actually start playing the position at all until I think it was his senior year in high school. And so you can really, A, justify why he didn't break out immediately in college. And B, you know, he probably has potential areas to grow. Uh, I wish we had athleticism data, but just from the little bit that I've watched, like it would stun me if he's not at least in the high four fives, low four sixes kind of range for speed. I, I think he's clearly under four seven. Yeah. And, and one thing I will say is four, six, three pro day. Yeah. Uh, with the height, the other thing with height that I'm surprised that you didn't sneak in there is that, hey, red, we need touchdowns for tight ends. You know what I mean? Like we need it. And the, if you're going to be six, two, why are they throwing you the ball? Like, you know what I mean? Like we need, we need the, uh, the big boys. Now um, I know we're probably not going to talk about them here. Is that the, so like there's been, there were an argument at one point of Dalton Kincaid versus another guy, Luke Musgrave. Right. And another one that's kind of a mystery and similar sized and like, like, um, like Kincaid, I'm not sure if you guys know, but Luke Musgrave, only recently started playing tight end. He was actually a very serious professional skier. Did you guys hear that? I had oh, no idea. No, I did yes. not. Yes. Yeah. So like very serious, like c- could have been a professional skier, decided he does want to do this, right? Uh, maybe at the uh, request of his famous football uncle, Bill Musgrave. But uh, I look at these two guys and I'm like, okay, if we're not going to have a lot of metrics in terms of athleticism and all that, at least with Dalton Kincaid, I can look here and say, okay, his senior season, he broke like 16 tackles. Luke Musgrave broke zero. So like, I'm looking at this guy and I'm like, he broke like some bones in his body or something because he played like one game. Yeah, but I mean, like, even in like, if you go through the the years in the past, like, right. he didn't, he didn't, he has like nothing, no. man. He's got nothing in terms of yeah. of that. So it's just like Luke Musgrave, I can't sell myself on. He's just another one of those guys that you described, Sanderson, where you're like, hey, if he's there for nothing, I'll throw him in the taxi squad. But I, I'm just not sure what I'm waiting for. Whereas like Kincaid with yeah. the right landing spot, we're gonna be excited. I I don't see why we wouldn't be with the wrong landing spot. We're just gonna not be involved. My favorite thing about Luke Musgrave, I remember this specifically, is that the first line of his NFL.com profile says he has oily hips and feet. <laughs> I just thought that was the most hilarious oily, thing I've ever dude. seen someone describe. Oily. Like, like an Oregon State beaver. Maybe it's an oily yeah. beaver oily comparison hip. there. But yeah, oily hips. Jesus Christ. You don't have Get to get oily hip. Uh, corollary for me to care about you as a, a tight end. I, I definitely don't have watched enough film slash highlights to get to that point where I'm <laughs> waxing poetic like that, dude. I've, I'm at the stage where I say, hey, I saw him make a couple nice catches. Phenomenal. Yeah. yeah. Uh, all right. This is Dalton Kincaid. Um, we're going to take a quick second. When we come back. We're going to get next on the list. This guy is beloved by some of the people 
People uh, love it. He's I the work spreadsheet version king. Correct. Right. And we're going to talk about him right away. Quick four-second break before we come back. Sit tight. The next player we're going to talk about is somebody that uh, one of my co-hosts on another program, Best Ball Breakdown, uh, Scott Barrett and Chris Wecht over at Fantasy Points. Seems to I can't seem to be able to talk them out of uh, drafting Sam Laporta in every Best Ball draft that we do. Uh, 6'3", 245, right? He's 91st percentile in the 40-yard dash. His speed score of 108.4 is 85th percentile. His agility score is in the 90th percentile. These are numbers that we like. He's a four-year player at Iowa, of course. Fairly productive his last two years with 53 targets last year and 50 or 58 targets last year and 53 targets the year before that. And of course, the mock draft database has him consensus 51st to the Miami Dolphins. So round two, no coup. chance. No, like, I, well, because they had Sam Laporta, right? Yeah, they just had Sam Laporta and Mike Zeki, and they need they want a two way tight end. They want a they want a guy that. So why would they draft a guy that the same guy? Like, there's like no chance. It'll work out, maybe. Yeah, exactly. No, we didn't like the last one. Right? <laughs> yeah, maybe this one, but no. Yeah, so um, and I'll do a shout with this player. I'll do a shout out to Thor Nystrom. Uh, he does a great job with the tight ends, and honestly, I love guys like that that are willing to do a lot of the deep dives and grinds on the prospects. He's he was watching them during the year, like during the regular season, um, and he just because you're not going to do it all yourself. Right. So I love being able to stand on the shoulders of guys like that. Uh, you know, like Jurassic Park, we stand on the shoulders of scientists and, uh, you know, he, like he, he exactly. So he calls him the, he calls him the yak God. Uh, I listened to a, a podcast where he yeah. talked about him and I think that's very accurate. And that's why we like him, especially in best ball. So your friend that keeps drafting him in best ball, I think that's okay because we want the guys that can do less. If it's going to be a rookie tight end, we need them to do less uh, more with less, right? Which is George Kittle. You go and look at uh, tight ends across the league last five, six years. Only two of them have double digit plays of 40 plus yards. One's Travis Kelsey, just because he's not because he's is a yak guy or is because he's just gets a million targets. He's awesome. George Kittle is like the only guy, the only tight end that has not only has that many 40 plus yard plays, but he's the only guy that has multiple, multiple 70 yard touchdowns because he runs that four five. This guy runs a four five nine. It's still 90th percentile, right? And you look at Chickacockwo last year, even on a 35% snap share, he had three 40-plus yard plays. Believe it or not, him and George Kittle are the only tight ends to have three 40-plus yard plays in the same season. It's just not happening that often for these big boys. So, like, for a guy like Sam Laporta, if if someone's willing to put this guy in the slot and he's going to have his speed and run high a dot routes and break off big chunks. Why wouldn't we be interested in that in best ball? If we're going to take a stab on a rookie tight end. So I do like Laporta. He's incredibly, I mean, he, he has the build of uh, a slower Evan Engram. He's maybe like a Juwan Johnson, right? Like I think Juwan Johnson ran a four, five, four converted tight end, a converted wide receiver, six, three. So, uh, you know, again, that's the guy we want. And he broke 20 tackles on 58 catches. Like the talk about slippery hips, right? Like this guy should have been the slippery hips guy. So uh really? Laporta, yeah, we do like him. Yeah, we just need him to go somewhere and play wide receiver because I'm just if he goes to the wrong spot, then he's the next Kylan Granson. And he's just, you know, yeah. that's that's, that's the concern. This is exactly the concern I have. I, he's the guy that I probably 
want to see legit draft capital. And he's not going to go round one or anything crazy like that, but he's the guy that I want to see that day two capital for the most to be interested, yeah. especially because he has the buzz. Like you look at the difference, like a chicken last year, mostly because he didn't really have much of a production profile, but like he was free. Like I'm, I bet you 90% of my shares of Chig were like literally like off of UDFA waivers post rookie draft. Um, with Laporta, because he has the production profile, because he has some of the height, like he's not going to cost a lot, but he might be like a consistent round three rookie pick. And there's so many other tight end options that I'm, I'm that are I'm we're not at. we're not going to draft him, Sanderson. I can tell you right now, you and me, we, we love him. Even if we love him, we're not right. going to take him because there's too many other guys. And it's 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 a thing with Laporta, like this type of tight end, especially him being six three, right? He's a shorter guy. I want to see the team invest. Like with Greg Dulcich last year is a great example under six three tight end, where like they decided, you know, we're going to run him as our eleven personnel tight end, and we're gonna not use him in non-passing situations really at all, but we're willing to just let this rookie tight end run like eighty percent of the routes by dictating our personnel packages around him. And like that's just not very common like that was awesome that happens. happened for greg dulcich that does not happen he was around three pick which is obviously not everything but that's legitimate draft capital you look at the only tight ends six three and under that have had a lot of success it is not a big list mm-hmm. the only ones that have really been able to step in kind of immediately to come to mind are greg dulcich and then jordan reed of course jordan reed also a day two pick you look at a delaney walker who it turns out was fantastic it took him like you mentioned like seven, seven. years seven. yeah what you end up seeing a lot with this type of profile is you end up getting route capped where it's like, well, we like his talent, but we're only going to use him in certain packages. We're going to use him as the H back. We're going to use him as the move tight end and 12 personnel, but they're not willing to make him their every down 11 personnel tight end because they don't want to tip tendencies and they don't trust him as a blocker. So that's my concern with Laporta is you see a lot of the film knocks on him relate to his blocking, which is like, I'm okay with it. If a team takes him high enough, they're willing to dictate personnel packages around him. I have some concerns with it, if he's like a round four pick. So I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic on Sam Laporta is my answer. I did one pre NFL draft draft and he fell into the fourth and I, I took him in round four. So I'm, I'm comfortable there. I'm interested to see where he goes. I'm interested to see exactly what team he goes to, what kind of tight end room it is. Um, it's, it's a high variance pick, but if the cost is low, then I'm into it because the upside is high. We have good athleticism, good production. Yeah. And for the sort profile, right? The sort, exactly. And it's like, because yeah, you, you take him and stash him. And the reason I say Sanderson and I won't draft him is because of the hype and because if he gets the capital, someone else is going to. And we're yeah. just going to, in our minds, we're going to say, oh yeah, we love him. And we'll tell everyone that we love him. And then we won't pick him because we're just going to try and find the version of him that's cheaper. Right. And I, I'm glad that you brought up Greg Dulcich because it really illustrates how hard it is to get the right combination for a rookie tight end where this guy, they needed to trade for a quarterback they needed to trade away the starting tight end they needed to take the other guy that everyone loved throw him completely on the back burner and then tim patrick needed to tear his acl and what does that get us that gets us a guy that in points per game is tight end what 15 17 like that's how hard it is to to get that you know what i mean like greg dulcich was another injury away a jerry judy or Cortland sutton injury away from really being a guy that we can trust that's how difficult it is now Dulcich, after all that, he's now in a position where if the rumors that Sean Payton has now poured cold water on, if those were to come true and and Judy and Sutton were to get traded, one of them were to get traded, now we're looking at a starting starting tight end I, in Dynasty. I just don't think Sutton's very good. I think I Dulcich could, can pass him this year. 
Okay, it's poss- It's entirely possible. And I think there's a re- there's a reason when I look at the way what they want to do, what I, like Sean Payton wants to do, he's bringing in the fullback. He quietly snuck Michael Burton in there, yeah. who's played you know yeah. 20, 25 percent of the snaps back when he was with the Saints. Like he wants to run one of those offenses that doesn't have three full time wide receivers. So I could still see a situation and, where uh, there's a lot of that, you know. And you know what's the best news to me for Dulcich was I I was like laser eyes on him this offseason because of what I mentioned. Like he's such a unique player where he really can't block. Like he is not a blocker at all. And I, I was like a little bit worried coming off the soft season. It's like they have a whole new coaching staff. What if Peyton gets into training camp and he's like, okay, I think Dulcich is a little better of pass catcher than Alberto, but Alberto is like six, six. And why don't we let him be the every down tight end? Like I thought this actually might swing back. And then they went out and signed Chris Manners, who is yes. the godsend. Like, I was so happy when they signed Chris Manners because he's literally an offensive tackle. So, like, every yeah. snap that he plays is just a gift to anyone he plays with because it's just concentrating all the targets to everybody else. And as soon as they did that, it's like, oh, sweet. Alberto's not in their plans at all. They're going to use Manners as a blocker. They're going to use those as a receiver. Like, that's what you want to see if you're – one hundred percent. It's like the it's like the people wonder how we got Jalen Waddle and Tyree Kill so many targets. Well, when you have Durham Smythe and uh, you know Alex Engold playing forty, you know forty percent of the snap, it's like that's perfect. Yeah, put we all want more Patrick Ricard snaps, right? Like give me the fullback snaps, give me the Chris Manhurt snaps. Because uh, yeah, you're right. It really it's like a target funnel to the people that can actually actually catch. So uh, you know I. That last thing we needed was that wide receiver trade. And I'm not ruling out, like, I don't care what he says. There's still a possibility they move one of those guys and then it's wheels up. So we'll, we'll have and to see. Look at, look at how did Amari Cooper have the first non-beta target share season of his life? We have Harrison Bryant just eating yeah. up routes like an absolute love champ. Love <laughs> to see it. Hero. You love to see it. Well, the thing with tight yeah. end, too, it's, it's kind of impressive is we are talking about a guy that you can get at the late third round of his rookie draft, sometimes into the fourth. And yet right now and throughout the offseason, he could net you back a, an early to mid second round rookie pick, which is why betting on these tight ends in a position of scarcity, like you said, Coop, you were like, well, use tight end 15. Well, he was already ranked as a top six to top eight dynasty tight end with that right. minimal yeah. production. And if you're a, just a value hunter in the way you play dynasty, these are guys that can return immediate value doing very little and and getting you that boost. It is it's such a good and, position to invest and, in. And you can find them on waivers. Darren Waller, I mean, Antonio Brown had to like freeze his feet off and bring a fake helmet to practice. But like when that happened, Darren Waller was available on waivers. George Kittle was available on waivers. Yep. I mean, but the amount of people that were holding Hayden Hurst and were able to just pick up Mark Andrews when it when it started looking that way, right? Like you can just get you can find these guys, man. Like they're out they're out there floating around. Absolutely true. Logan Thomas he came out of nowhere, yeah, maybe. Dalton Schultz, right? Everybody thought it was gonna be Jarwin. Dalton exactly. Schultz was like really Yes. So it right. so you can find a man. Just gotta keep your ear to the street. And you know, I that's my job, right? Like I always tell people, yeah. I'm like, lean on me. We're gonna we're gonna do yin yang tight end in redraft in dynasty. Like I'm gonna tell you who I'm who I'm starting that I can trust, and I can tell you who I'm adding to try and catch lightning in a bottle. So you can put the blame on me. We've gotten lucky. Like I got lucky that last year Ingram was finally the guy. We got lucky that we found like Waller and Mark Andrews. I can't guarantee it's gonna happen like that every year, but we're going to try. So. Fantastic. Look, I see the questions. I know we got the questions in there. I want to get through the player profiles. Uh, for sure, and then we'll get some questions, and then we'll finish with 
fuck Mary kill of course as many as we can get so we can send uh Jacob off to his super smart person class all right sit tight we're gonna take a break when we come back we have another uh player profile for you sit tight Of course, we mentioned uh, tight ends that were basically tackles. And next up, we have this year's uh, rendition of uh, Jelani Woods, the big, tall, uh, but little younger and a little more productive here. 6'7", 264 with a giant 34 and 3'8 arm length. We love that. He still ran a 4.64, 96th percentile speed score. Of course, we are talking about Darnell Washington of Daddy Georgia. Yeah. Uh, consensus 48th to Detroit. So replacing TJ Hawkinson, according to NFL mock draft database. Now I did mention, the, <laughs> uh, yeah, your most rostered tight end, I think. Uh, yeah. Now we did talk about the production. Probably. It is lacking compared to the last three players <laughs> sure that we talked is. about only 41 targets last year, 28 receptions, 454 yards. So big playability, two touchdowns. One of the things that Coop mentioned is one of the most important, but with this size and frame, I cannot imagine there's not some team drooling at his speed score and his size. Uh, again, second round draft capital projected. Coop, where are you with Darnell Washington? You you look like you're a little bit in between here. I this guy keeps me up at night, man. He's like the guy that uh like you talk about range of outcomes. If it's like zero from zero to hundred, and some guys are like he's like a forty to like a seventy. This guy literally is zero to hundred. The range of outcomes is let me tell you a scary story. I I, I talked to Brandon Huffman of two forty seven. Right, he's a primarily high school to college scout, but just a a pretty well respected scout. And he told me that when this guy, Darnell Washington, was 17, 18 years old, they were scouts, not necessarily him, but he was part of these conversations where they turned to Darnell and said, hey, why don't you put on 30, 40 pounds and be a tackle? And those conversations were being had. And th- one of the things- he was an edge rusher. Right. Yeah, I mean, he could have been anything, you know, but pe- people were <laughs> basically, he, he his words were that people were basically telling this guy, like, hey, your meal ticket is at tackle. You can either be a tackle or you can try and be a tight end and maybe end up working at a car wash. Now, he did with the tight end route. It's looking like it's going to work out for him, but that, that always has to be in the back of your mind. I And if you don't think that's possible, go look up George Fant's college Eastern Kentucky basketball highlights. This guy was a nasty basketball player converted to, or not nasty enough to play in college, converted to tight end. And now he's a backup offensive tackle for the Jets at 320 pounds. It can happen like that, man. Like, uh, you know, the like the, if they say this is what you're doing, this is what you're doing. So that's what concerns me with this guy. On the flip side, I mean, what a monster! Like, did you guys see him moving the sled at the combine? Oh my god! Oh, I, I watched it like a hundred times. It was like it was like somebody. It was like everybody else is struggling to like move everything, and then it's like. It was like you turned to the guy and said, hey, can you go move that like uh, plastic chair for me? And he like picked it up like, hey, where do you want this, boss? Like he moved that thing like it was like a screen door. My favorite was like the people that are anti Darnell, like going on Twitter, be like, actually, his form was not that great. He like wasn't using it. I was like, oh, my God. Who cares, so dude? Yeah, it's like, <laughs> like yeah, it's like. Yeah, it's like they wake up from getting knocked out and they're like, oh, well, you know, the punch could have been a little tighter. It's like, dude, it doesn't really matter if he's moving it that much weight. Like, I don't I really don't care. Like, he's going to figure that out, you know, uh, but that, that's, of course, is the problem is that you don't know, like the guy that I think I could see him being 
like if you want to if i say that what i think he's most likely to be is may, maybe like a martellus bennett type that is just a really really underrated and good blocker or, or mercedes lewis just a really good blocker that is just so athletic that they can catch a touchdown right like mercedes lewis had a fantasy relevant season martellus bennett had a top five or so season when he was with the bears like but I think the blocking ability is going to keep the guy in line and just because someone in your league is going to be infatuated with that type of player, I'm probably just going to let someone else will probably draft him in my leagues. That's just where I'm at. Right, like, like we said, either. I mean, Brock says Darnell Washington is his favorite real life player. In yes, the He's a unicorn. absolutely. Unicorn. He's it's a unicorn. One of those things that kind of concerns me. Like Todd Munkin got brought in because he was like an air raid, air it out type uh, offensive coach with Georgia. Obviously those fantastic Georgia teams that Todd Munkin was a part of. And his production was still lacking. So he wasn't, he quite clearly wasn't a focus on an offense whose focus was passing the football. So that, where do you take like a a coordinator scheme from a college, especially one that obviously being brought in, do you factor that in at all? Or do you kind of wash your hands? Well, let's talk about the elephant of the room with Georgia, right? Like like Brock Bowers Bowers elephant. Yeah. I right. mean, yeah, I mean, it's just another, I mean, it's such a, a perfect excuse. That's why this guy had, that's why he's such a nightmare because you have the perfect the excuse. Roshan Johnson of the tight end class. Exactly. Truly though. It's it truly, and he could be awesome. Like I would never look at a guy like this. Like I watched the combine. Did you see the one-handed catch he made towards the end of the combine? Yeah. It was like, it was like, it was like a cricket player catching him that with a little ball. Like he was like, bang. Right. Like, so I like you, you could never say, cause the thing is, if this guy is the greatest tight end of all time, I wouldn't be surprised. Like, honestly, he's got, he's got that within the range of outcomes. We're like, what if he really is just, inline Kyle Pitts, right? Like, or inline Calvin Johnson or whatever. Cause I mean, like it's within the range of outcomes, but I personally am just, it's just not the kind of profile that I go for. I'm willing to, I'm willing to uh, let somebody else take the risk that comes with it. So I'm actually surprised by this. Cause I did not think I was going to be a Darnell Washington guy. It's just like, I don't Hard know, not the way to. that I've seen, the way that I've seen the tight end movement. Like for instance, last year, like last year, everybody was all about Jelani Woods. And I did not want any Jelani Woods. And I was all about Greg Dulcich. Like, I was like, I'll take, like, the more boring guy who, like, runs off the line of scrimmage and, like, has the deeper route tree. And Jelani was the guy with the, you know, the absolutely ridiculous Raz score. And that was who people were getting really fired up about. And so I thought people were going to get pumped on Darnell Washington this offseason. Like, I, I was, like, pretty prepared to fade him and fear for my life. And that has not been the case so far. Yeah. I did one startup. Uh, with rookies included, with the Full Tilt Discord, I drafted Darnell Washington in the 14th. I did one rookie draft with rookies included. I drafted Darnell in that one as well in round three. I, the guy's going to get draft capital. That seems um, certain. Like It seems like he's going to go in round one or, or early round two. And I, I, you get that excuse, right? Like Luke Musgrave is another example of a guy who's super athletic, doesn't really have any production. But I don't know of any generational tight end prospect that was playing at Oregon state in front of him. Right. You look right. at Georgia. It's like, I, I can Whoa. see it. I can, I can see that Brock Bowers is going to be probably a first round pick next year. I mean, there's issues with his size. So I don't know if he's like, but from a college tight end perspective, Brock Bowers is the best tight end in college football. Uh, unmistakably. He's unreal. Yes. They give him, they give him reverses. Like they call right. wide receiver type jet sweeps to their tight end. That's how dope yeah. Brock Bowers is. Um, on Georgia Darnell too, Washington. they not not lacking Georgia. for weapons, right? We're not talking about right. like Old Dominion. 
Exactly. So you look at how they're going to run their offense. It's like, well, we're going to have Brock Bowers in a route all the time. So how often are we going to also have Darnell Washington in a route? And it's like not super darn often. So I get it. The issue that I, I do still have, like I think the median outcome is he's still going to block way too damn much. People forget. People look at it as like, it's sort of like the Roshan. I mentioned the Roshan Bijan thing where, okay, in that scenario, right? Roshan was there and he was a fine enough prospect. And then they get Bijan. He's the five-star. Darnell Washington was a five-star high school recruit. He was number 23 nationally in his recruiting class. They brought him in presumably with the intention of using him in, in whatever way they wanted to. It's not like they were like, oh, we have to accommodate everybody else. Brock Bowers jumps on the scene a year later and immediately they're like, oh, this is the guy we have to build our entire offense around. And Darnell Washington becomes a second banana. So I, I do think that teams will continue to find comparative advantages in Darnell Washington's blocking versus receiving ability. And, and that concerns me. But at the same time, it's not like every elite tight end prospect is highly productive. What I also love about Darnell Washington the most, low dot guy who averaged over 15 yards per reception in both of the last two years. That, that's a guy who's not even really getting asked to run downfield. He was creating hyper-efficiency through yards after the catch ability almost alone. And obviously, you're gonna want, he's going to be a guy you want to throw the ball into the end zone. His athleticism is great. I, if I'm going to be able to just draft him in round three of rookie drafts, I'm just going to do it every single time. Sanderson, caping up, dude. We've, we, we knew we were going to get you I to will. backdoor cape up for a player on this, if dude. Do, do your Kenny Pickett. Three. Do your Kenny Pickett speech now. <laughs> <laughs> The reality is like, there is in a super flex dynasty league, everybody knows how important it is. If you can actually have a real separator at tight end and like, you have a guy who might be, and you can do it in round three. Like what's the opportunity cost there? I'm, I'm going to just do that every time. San, Sanderson, let, let me give you the cherry on top to your take and we'll wrap and they'll wrap up this player and give you the cherry on top that you could take with you. This, this stat here, throw NBA rigs question back up there where he said what's darnell's weakness his weakness is one of his strengths as Sanderson just pointed yeah. out that he might be too good at blocking right now mm. since i've been charting this stuff there have been exactly two players that have managed to finish top five in fantasy football while blocking on more than 15 percent of their pass plays which okay. is usually an absolute killer right it, that kills you do you yeah. know who these two players are uh kill take a guess them, right? george kittle is one the other right. one's Rob. The other one's Rob Gronkowski. Mm. So if Darnell Washington is a tight end god, then it won't matter. It won't matter. You can get away with being an absolute force field blocker that is asked to block on a bunch of pass plays if you are that good. So, like you said, might as well take a stab on these guys because we're only looking for guys that turn into freaks anyway. So there is a real possibility. It's there you go. Brock's got in the chat. Gronk and Kittle. If this guy is Gronk, if he is Kittle, then it won't matter. So that that is the end of that. I mean, like that's that's the take. It's like if he if he's and that's why he's going to get drafted high. Is that if he's not Gronk or Kittle, then he's going to be Mercedes Lewis. And Mercedes Lewis is right. I would consider a top five blocking tight end since I've been watching football. But in fantasy, he's been okay. And right. and this is the last thing I'll say for Darnell is like you look at Chig, right? Got I have no idea how many times I've been trying to do trades this off season, and then somebody's like. Would you add Shiga Conquo? I'll make this deal. Like people, like he's a guy that people have actively actively sought out on my roster when I'm doing trades. He he's certainly fetching legitimate value. I've tried. And you look at uh you look at Darnell Washington, right? Like with this athletic profile, like Shig is fast and he's only fast. Like he, he's small and he's short right. and he's but he's fast. 
with Darnell Washington, like, if he flashes fucking anything, dude, like, if he flashes anything in first year, like, people are going to get so excited about this guy, like, because it doesn't even make sense to me that he's not valued right now. Like, you look at how our fantasy landscape has evolved the last couple of years. Like, we used to be able to draft Lamar Jackson's and Josh Allen's as late-round quarterbacks. Like, now right. you get guys like Trey Lance, guys like Anthony Richardson, who would have been, like, really fun, high upside flyers, all of a sudden get priced up to uncomfortable ranges. But Darnell Washington is, is the opposite of that. Like, he's still – people seem to be low on him. So, I – but I don't think that's holding forever. Like, I think if all of a sudden we get a game where it's like, we're not Washington at a 75% route participation today. And he caught three balls and a touchdown and he hurdled the dude. Like, right. I just think people are knocking down your door. Like, get, get right. Darnell Washington and, on your team. Yeah, he's a, per- he's a perfect third round pick in your rookie draft. Because if he comes out and he's blocking on 40% of the pass plays and he's Donald Parham, right. then you can just drop him yeah. for a very valuable roster spot. You know, not sitting there waiting forever. Mm-hmm. So I'm with you on that, man. But that's, we've, I've, we said it all on Darnell, man. I Go. agree. It's going to be a little divisive. I think Jacob's a little higher than me. I think that might be one of our first uh, aggressive disagreements here this offseason. we got one more to go. we got one more to go. We're going to try to fly this one quick. So I don't think there's a lot to say about this guy, but I wanted to talk about him because he's a bit polarizing. So sit tight. We're going to move on. Make sure I pronounce this right so YouTube doesn't flag me for language. But Zach Kuntz of Old Dominion, like Andrew Cooper mentioned earlier. This is, as we had someone in the chat earlier mention, the Anthony Richardson of tight ends. This is kind of him. 6'7", 255, 34-inch wingspan. He is 23, going to be 24 when the season starts, so a little bit later. Uh, n- projected fourth-round, fifth-round draft pick, but the speeds and athletic scores, they're all 94th, 98th, 97th, 100th percentile. Like his catch radius, 100th percentile. He is athletically gifted uh, as much as anyone else, but the production, damn near non-existent, right? The 2020 year, then 2018, 2019, barely played 13 games in 2021 with 73 receptions. We like that. 692 yards and five touchdowns. Not really dominating the competition, which, I mean, it's old Dominion. And he had five games last year. So this is a guy you either just fawn over the size and speed. He is the big man run fast at tight end that we talked about at the beginning of the show, but I would love to hear your your breakdown for this guy, Coop, because he's nothing like any of the other prospects we've talked about. And, and honestly, we can keep this one short because I mean, like like you said, it's crazy. You look at his RAS score, like you look at the chart, the whole thing is green except for his weight, and it, it's because his weight is low, which we can fix that. You know what I mean? Like weight room, like that fixes that, right? Like Old Dominion, <laughs> Old Dominion does not have the weight room that uh, you know the. Cowboys might have, right? So green. Uh, so I'll tell you right now that like with all the hype on the Dalton Kincaids and the Sam Laportas and the Darnell Washingtons, if you want to use the the Jacob Sanderson taxi squad backdoor special play, this might be the guy, right? Like you just wait until everybody falls in love with Michael Mayer and and how many guys are gonna draft two to like half the guys in my leagues don't draft any tight ends. How many are gonna draft two? So once people have gotten their fill of the Luke Musgraves and and maybe the six or seven or guys that go before him, you just with your very last pick or even after, right after it ends, you just sneak sneak this guy onto your onto your bench and you see what happens. I mean, we've there's been guys like this before to suggest that this is the first guy ever that's come out to be like this, like enigma type guy 
that you know we we think it's possible. The Jets just had a, had a guy last year. Now I his name escapes me. I'll can I pull it up quick? Yarbrough? But like Yarbo, yes, yeah, yeah. So Yarbo, like uh, so we looked at Yarbo. We we're like, yeah, this is yeah. Okay, no, Kenny Kenny Yaboa was his name. Kenny Yaboa. Yeah. And we sat there. We're like, yeah, why not? Right? Like I say, you probably had him on a taxi squad. So oh, I did somewhere. All, all, all <laughs> Right. Well, that's so this guy could be Kenny Yaboa, in which case, who cares? But he could be, uh, I mean, he could be George Kittle, where we go back and we look at it and we say, we look at George Kittle's combine. You're like, okay, this guy ran a four, five, two, and he's he's got the size and he's got everything. And he went to Iowa. It's like, why did he go to the fifth round? And everyone says, I don't know. Like, we could be looking back at this guy, Koontz, if he if he pans out and saying that about this guy. So, again. We just, I, this is the guy that I actually hope that doesn't get the draft capital. So I can just hide him, right? I agree. Uh, I'll be quick because mostly because we're running out of time. And we still got to go. Um, yeah. Only red flag that I have with Koontz's profile is that he basically has one season that we're looking at for production, which is the 2021 right. season 9.5 yards per reception. That is concerning to me in Conference right. USA. That's That to me is the big red flag um, where like, Where's that athleticism, bro? You can't have 10 yards per reception, it's, but whatever. It's, it, the right cost, I don't care. If he's so good, why wasn't he good? Right? That's my question. That, that's the question you ask with guys. Like, if he's so good, why wasn't he good? And I don't have an answer, honestly. I didn't watch any Old Dominion. I've watched zero Old Dominion. I can well, safely say. probably better off for it, honestly. Right. Yeah. I'll admit it. I'll admit it live. I've watched zero Old Dominion. Like, yeah, I only good. have so much time. Right. Not the thorough analyst I told the people you were. And I know <laughs> yeah, that. Uh, well, hey, I know the player. I've I've tweeted about the player. You, if you want my takes, like you know, I I've watched the the I've been, like why did I watch I've just watched zero of their games. I watched some of his highlights, but there's not a whole lot of it, right? It's like yeah. some guy yeah. on a cell phone, you know, like it's yeah. Forty five so. seconds. You know what I hope that he had a highlight of is like somehow him like forgetting which direction the field went and losing like 80 yards on a screen. And then that explaining why he has 9.5. Seriously, <laughs> though, That's like just Leon Lett type situation for real yeah. though. Like, I don't know, man, <laughs> but that's all we can say about the guy. He's a complete mystery box and, uh, but athletic one, which is the guys we like to take a stab on. Very athletic. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I mean, he could be Mike Isicki. He could be even better. So, and my, I mean, Mike Isicki still garnering value somehow. I right. don't know how. <laughs> oh my god, that's our prospects for today. We're gonna come back. Uh, I think we got time for one of the fuck Mary kill selections. I'm gonna pick my favorite one, and then we're gonna get uh, Jacob out of here to class and coop on with the rest of his evening. Sit tight. We'll be right back. Okay, look, I. We went ham with the prospects. I know there are a ton of questions, and I apologize for that. Um, Coop, Hit me up on you? Twitter, at Coupe Fiasco, with tight end questions anytime you want. Right. Just at me. I'll answer them. I, I answered – I don't sure you saw this. I answered 600 questions the other day or whatever it was. I don't care. My I goodness. Now, people don't have that many tight end questions usually. That one got a little crazy. But let's get into this last segment, and we'll get out of here. Right. We're going to do one quick fuck, Mary kill. We're going to get one good sleeper, and then we're going to get uh, Jacob out of here and Andrew out of here. Uh, okay. My favorite of the fuck Mary kill group. You guys know how it is. Uh, we're looking at players that we think uh, kill is bust. Mary equals sustained hit and fuck evils high upside low floor, perhaps short term. It is how Jacob has this broken down. Uh, I'm going to go with my, my favorite one of this group. We're going to go McBride mayor Laporta 
Wow. Fuck, Mary, kill. And I added McBride here simply because we either had vets or we had rookies. But we're not talking a lot about the sophomore tight ends. It feels like this offseason, the sophomore tight end class is being just not spoken about whatsoever. So I had to throw McBride tight end one from last year. So yeah. fuck, Mary, kill, Trey McBride. We have Michael Mayer and Sam Laporta. And- well, good. I have, this is this is an interesting one for sure, uh, but it's an easy one for me because like your definitions, high upside, fuck, that's got to be Laporta because he just he has that speed, the four five nine ninety percentile speed. He's got a low floor, but who cares? That's what we're shooting for the moon, right? Uh, for fuck, Mary kill, Mary. I'm marrying Trey McBride because honestly, I'm just such a conservative fantasy gamer. I look at this list of players and I say, let's see, has has any of these players had double digit targets in an actual nfl game uh not any of the not any of the prospects but i've seen trey mcbride do that right and if zach Ertz is gone maybe he can do that again if deandre hopkins is gone maybe it happens pretty quick so mcbride's the guy i like best like the safest play and by the nature of that the guy we had to kill is michael mayer which we already kind of compared him to a chair earlier uh but i mean he could be a very good nfl player i think he will he's the safest guy in real life but Fantasy is in real life. It did it, I mean, it's called fantasy for a reason. So give me the more exciting players. Uh, Michael Mayer is going to be just fine. I'm sure he, this wouldn't hurt his feelings. <laughs> I will marry Mayer, not because I'm super in love with Mayer. I, I like most of the other tight ends better at cost in this class. But I think just out of this group, he would be the one that I would feel most strongly about having Safe. multiple tight end one seasons. And at that point, you can kind of do with what you want with the guy, right? Like I'm not... I don't get super jacked up at night thinking about Pat Fryermuth, but I, he is a valuable asset that you can do what you want with. Um, I will, I will fuck Sam Laporta as well, just for that raw untapped upside. And I will kill Trey McBride. I, 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 I'm somewhere in the middle on the Trey McBride train. There's some people who are very all in still on the prospect profile and throw out the first year. Other people aren't writing him off entirely after he was pretty shit for most of his little audition after Zach Ertz went down. I'm somewhere in the middle. Like I, I want to be open-minded to a tight end who uh, had a really strong rookie profile and we know it takes a little bit to develop. I'm also pretty concerned that like he was playing in an offense for the most part after Zach Ertz went down that was dealing with other injuries and outside of one game, uh, he was just not really earning any volume at all. So I'll, I'll kill him, but I'm not actually killing him in real life as much as some other people are <laughs> phenomenal Tom, uh, for me uh I, i'm look sam laporta talking about relationships seems like he'd be the kind of person with his upside that like tells you to book this fantastic getaway vacation and leave <laughs> you at the airport because uh, their favorite restaurant had a new special and they just you know they booked you off so He's going to lead you somewhere and more likely you're just going to be left standing by yourself uh, in that, in that plane ride. So I'm going to get rid of that. I don't really like that. Uh, I I'm so I, I would, I would fuck Laporta for like the adventure, but I'd be weary. Uh, and then for me, I am, I'm going to kill McBride because he seems like the person that when he goes to a wedding, he asks for chicken fingers and fries. Like it'd be a four course Italian meal. And I think that he is just, as uh, you know, mayo on toast can be plain Jane. Uh, it doesn't really fire me up at all. And I would marry Mayor. Not only did he go to Notre Dame, which is a prestigious school, and you know you got to think the intelligence True. has True. to be there. But there's, I still see potential in Mayor McBride's like that guy who graduated but is locked into his finance job and he's at the <laughs> office 
seven to seven Monday to Friday cuts the lawn on Saturdays. So he has wearing these uh, not even cool enough. He's got like, <laughs> he, he, he's got like he, loafers. He's the white new balance. Yeah. You know, <laughs> the dad, the dad sneaks. The yeah. I'm not really into that. Mayor has a little more pizzazz, a little more unknown pushing for a little bit more of that ceiling. So I, I would marry uh mayor for sure. Uh, just his, his prospects are better. And I'm looking for that in a long-term partner. Uh, uh, that's me personally real quick, Andrew, your, your sleeper for the people of a player. Yeah. I'm talking about. I've tweeted about this guy. This guy's bounced around uh, right now. He's not actually a tight end. Uh, you probably heard the name. Maybe you haven't wide receiver. He played wide receiver at Stanford. His name's Elijah Higgins. Uh, ran a four five four and at the combine they asked him and he said a lot of teams have asked me if maybe i want to play tight end and he said i've been watching evan engram sanderson he's been watching evan engram film and saying i'm ready to play some tight end so all we really need is a team to say you're gonna be our you're gonna play tight end for us and then it's our job me i'll get my boys from reddit we did it with juan johnson and jacob harris didn't really work well with jacob harris but we with juan johnson we we were tweeting that yahoo tweeting that sleeper we got that tight end eligibility updated if a team drafts this guy and says you're gonna be the tight end juan johnson chickaconk was a good comp for him uh he's got the six three uh 235 so just needs to put on a little bulk and now we're right there now we're cooking baby yeah so elijah higgins uh and again with our taxi squad taxi squad spots it doesn't say wide receiver it doesn't say tight end in that spot right you throw them in there wait for wait for the eligibility to change while you're sleeping at night and then wake up next morning now you have juan johnson so that's the guy elijah higgins baby yeah 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 let's do that yeah pull him up on player profiler what's that thing is he's darren waller is what you're saying Damn, I mean, maybe, maybe not quite, maybe not quite. Yeah, <laughs> but he, uh, I, I mean, mean, look, the most of the best tight ends we have, like, fuck, it didn't play tight end until very recently. I, that's what I'm, I'm saying, dude. Part. Yeah, after, after yeah, you, after four, you, five, four, five, four, 83rd percentile bear score, six, three, two, thirty-five. You could potentially put on some more. And production profile looks pretty terrible if you're a wide receiver, but if you're a tight end, all of a sudden the production it's, now it's great. Yeah, 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 yeah. We could, I mean, we can play that game. You could play that game like it's kind of cheating, but I have quotes. I have a video of him. I have a quote that I tweeted out, you know, in writing where he says that he says he could play some tight end. And that's all we need. That's all we need in this world. So that's the guy, my deepest guy. And uh, we're just rooting for a team to look at him the same way we do. Just not Baltimore, nice. the love of God. We have enough, yeah, enough dude. Well, Charlie well, Collar. Six more tight ends. So, yeah. No. I'm upset about what they did to Charlie Kalar. I, I, I know. Him. Rest in peace, bro. They what the hell? They ruined him. I mean, the fact that they drafted two tight ends in the first four yeah. rounds while already having Mark Andrews is one of the greatest crimes against the fantasy community I've ever witnessed. That that dude. And it's so frustrating now that Isaiah likely seems like he's good. Like, why would they do that to us? Like, this guy seems like he's potentially quite good, and he'll, he's entirely useless. Until dude, they, bury, they buried my boy Eli Wolf, too. Like Eli Wolf just retired. They like they just they're just ruining all my boys, dude. I stay away, stay away. I mean, they had Josh I mean, Oliver for a while. What the heck is with these? I players? know, dude. It annoys me, dude. Ends, guys. God, leave leave me alone. I'm sorry. As a Ravens fan and I, I and a true apologist. I'm sorry, Jacob. We got to get you out of here. What do you have yeah. going on? Let the people know. We we have to get out of here. Uh, check out thinking about thinking my sort of not certainly not the last but kind of concluding my three-part pre-draft market principles of dynasty series is up um 
I doubt I'll have time to post something pre-draft about the rookies on there just because of exams. If I do have time, it will probably be on Saturday. So keep an eye out. And then um, definitely keep an eye out on the site immediately post-draft. I will literally be writing through the night after each day of the draft. I'll have a little profile up on each person as to where they're drafted. After day three, probably within a day or two, I'll have my full rookie draft uh, guide coming out up on the site. So I'm excited for that. And then, of course, you can always find me on Twitter at Jacob Sanderson. Uh, by the way, the Hawks are up by 20. So it's looking like it's going to be mm. Celtics-Hawks in round All right. one. Right? Let's go, baby. Let's go seize, dude. <laughs> Andrew, anything you have uh, you need the people to go and check out right away? Yeah, man. Like I said, just follow at Coupe Fiasco. Google Andrew Cooper Fantasy Alarm. You'll find it all. Right now, I'm breaking down the entire dynasty landscape, the current players. And then we'll get into prospects, obviously this show is what you need for your tight end prospects anyway. So uh, hit it up. I just did, I've done tight ends, wide receiver, running back, running back comes out tomorrow. So we're good to go. And then we'll get into the prospects in full. But uh, this, I mean, like I said, this is all you really need for the tight ends, baby. Elijah Higgins, load them up. <laughs> and, and we got you again. want to say thank you to Andrew for taking the okay. time out to hang out with us. Look, I've been asked a bunch of times. We are not doing a rookie countdown this year. Instead, we decided to go with this, an absolutely insane range of guests with pat corain uh next week where we do a rookie we're doing our rookie mock draft next week Oof, right nice with the man himself pat with a two million dollar man right exactly which i mean man. he did win that getting ready for his full tilt this is a real story Coop. yeah so i had him on last last year for the best ball stream and he texted me after he after he won and he was like i i was looking at the date because he was doing this barbell thing right he was dropping a bunch early bunch late and he was yeah, like, it's yeah. super weird because I drafted this team like in the middle of the summer and I didn't know what I had. So I checked my calendar and legend has it uh, two, three hours before he came on my show. He was like, I should do a draft today so that I have something to talk about. And that was the team. We were two wow. to three hours away from drafting on the stream. Full tilt miracle. So yeah. everyone's got to tune into that one next week then because it's yeah, the miracle yeah, show. Exactly. Right? The Packerain full tilt show is the miracle show. It is. That's, that will be the fun fact for next week's episode. Yeah, I'd say that's fun. Is that funner than yeah. discount shoes, you think? Uh, <laughs> and we ever get $2 million for one of those pairs. Yeah, he's just tucked in the bottom of an old dude's pair of shoes. He's just uh, he's hiding it. We're always told exactly. good things happen when you follow Full Tilt and you you tune in and you hop right. on. So look forward to that. Other than that, we can't wait to see you guys head over to Full Tilt uh, Fantasy Football over there on YouTube. We want to say thank you to everyone. We are climbing every single day much love to all remember that clarence bohars can never lose your best days well goddamn the worst been tilting good night everybody Hey, look, once again, we want to thank everyone for tuning in. Look, if you ask questions and we did not get to them, look, you don't have to feel too bad. If you head over the Full Tilt Dynasty podcast discord and ask the questions in there, you can get our replies. We encourage you to do so. Sorry if we missed you. Thanks for watching. We love you all. Take care.